Welcome to the Eventful Entrepreneur. I'm Dodge Woodall, founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sport and music festival. Ever since events across the world came to a grinding halt, I've been bringing people back together, but in a different way. On this week's episode, I'm talking to a true entrepreneur, James Sinclair. James has been creating businesses since he left school, going from children's entertainer to theme park and zoo owner. And now with over 600 staff, he's even just bought a new ice cream business. We chat through his journey of acquiring and growing businesses, creating a personal brand, and how the pandemic hasn't stopped him building an empire. If you like this podcast, I've just launched my new YouTube channel with lots of original content, so go check it out. But for now, here is the man himself, Mr. James Husky Sinclair. James, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me, Dodge. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, very good, man. I'm looking forward to this. Let's get cracking. How did you first get into business? Okay, so I was 14, 15 years old, and um, I wanted to make some money. And um, I loved entertaining. I loved magic. And so I became a kid's entertainer. And um, I was getting 100 quid a trick, really, and that was that was good, good money for a And teenager. where were you based at this time? Where were you working? Essex, okay. the, the world-famous county. <laughs> um, by the time I was 16, I was sort of knocking 1,000 to 1,500 pounds a week doing kids' parties, um, and I had drivers, and I was going around London, Essex, Hertfordshire, Kent. Um, and then after that, I built an agency for all the work I couldn't do. And the agency was called? The Party Man Company. And is that the company you've still got today? We still have that company, yeah. yeah that holds quite Lovely. a lot of our, all of our head office are in that company, yeah. And so, so I just built up this children's entertainment company, doing things a little bit different. So my, um, my sisters had a kids' entertainer. Mm. And I was 14, I watched it as this old boy he had a waistcoat on and a bow tie. <laughs> um, and I looked at that and I thought, oh, I could do this different. Yeah. And so what I did was entertain the adults and the children at the mm. same time, which was a bit taboo mm. when I started it sort of 20 years ago. And what I realised from that business is I was building a personal brand in Jimbo the Party Man. Without even realising? Without really yeah. realising yeah, yeah. it. And everyone knew me in Essex. Yeah. And that, when I started really going for it and mm. building family entertainment centers, you know, by the time I was 21, that filled up really quick and we traded really well mm. because I'd built that personal brand where everyone knew me in Essex because mm. I was seeing 1,500 to 2,000 people a week mm. by gigging. Mm. So I was like doing like, <laughs> just going doing around. Doing the rounds. Doing yeah. the rounds, doing the schools, the play groups. What was, what was the bit where you had to make a change? Well, I, th I suppose mum died. Uh, my mum had MS and died when I was sort of 17 and had nothing. And it was at that point I realised that I was swapping time for money. Yeah. And I realised at that juncture that if I got ill or something happened to me, yeah. I literally my hands were making my money. I was making balloons and doing magic tricks mm -hmm. with my hands. And although I was earning good money for a young person, yeah. um, that happening to me made sure that I needed to build a commercially profitable enterprise that eventually works without me in it. Mm. And so I employed someone, a secretary. Was that uh, your, was that your first, what age were you when you first employed someone? 17. Was it 17? Jean it? Shaw. Really? She worked in Still in contact with her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She um, come worked my nan's spare room. <laughs> and I always tell this to people because I think when people are starting out in business that they think they need to have an office that looks as good as yours, Dodge. Thank you, You know, Thank or you. look like Google before they're allowed to. I said, no, they came in my nan's spare yeah. room, uh, you know, and there was a bed in the room and yeah. there was two desks and we would answer the phones. Yeah. And I had 10 years of no office. 
Yeah. Just working out the kitchen or out in the garage. Yeah, yeah. And that's the best way because you can't grow too quickly. Get no. everything in place first and then start yeah. looking at venturing yeah. out. But people yeah. these days seem to go straight in with the offices, straight in with the staff and yeah. build that business. Well, I, I disagree with that, Dodge, actually. Most people I speak to won't go and get staff. They do everything that they can. Oh, no, no, I, I see your point, but yeah. you have to get to a point oh, absolutely. to get that yeah. first member yeah. of staff yeah. to say, yeah. right, I'm ready to go. I'm ready for the second but and third now. Did you have a now. mindset that you always wanted to employ someone? In, my, my first, in the first 10 years of business, because I was throwing parties all around the country, it was me and my mobile phone and my yeah. best mate yeah. for 10 years, 1,500 parties across the UK. You know, 12 parties each week in different nightclubs around the city, in different cities. Wow. So that was very different to then moving into creating Diamond Sporting Group and Bournemouth Sevens Festival, where now we've got offices and now we've got staff and, you know, 10 staff. And so that's the route we went we went yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. But going back to you, this is about you, not me. Sorry. So from, from, from 21, so you started employing someone. When did you think, I need to scale this up? And how did you scale that business up? So, so what I did is I did this kids entertainment business and I realised the three levers now that I call what makes a great business average customer value average transactional value average lifetime value so my average customer value is quite good 200 pound every time someone transacts with me yeah. for doing a kids party yeah. but they would only transact with me once a year yeah. at most yeah. and actually their kids grew up so the lifetime value was a maximum of three years yeah. and i looked at this model and i thought i need to i was doing a really good job yeah. it's like a wedding business yeah you know you've People only really, unless they get divorced, yeah. you know, they're only going to buy from you once. Yeah. Um, and they probably, if they are going to get divorced, not go back to the same yeah. wedding venue. And I hated the fact I do all this work to get a customer, really look after the customer, get great feedback, and then they're not really need you yeah. anymore. And so that was where I thought, right, I need to increase the transactional value, average customer value, lifetime value. So then I opened Party Man World, which was our first family entertainment center. Where was that? That was in Basildon in was Essex. It? And okay. I chose Basildon because it had loads of chimney pots. It's yeah. not a particularly wealthy area, yeah. but it's one of the most highly populated areas in Essex. And that was a good move mm -hmm. uh, because all the everyone, it was in the middle of the county, so everyone would go to it. Yeah. But average customer value was low, sort of circa eight to 10 pounds per person. Yeah. Transaction, yes, they came three times a year. Mm -hmm. Lifetime value, again, only four years. And that's when I decided then to bolt on day nurseries. Okay. Average customer value, 10,000 so pounds day, a year. So give me an example, day nursery. What is a day nursery? So this is um, an Ofsted registered uh, business for zero to five-year-olds. Parents are going to work. We're open from 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. Okay. Um, How much an hour? Well, or was you, it done as a session? It's like fifty-five pounds a day okay. to eighty pounds a day, depending where you are in the UK. Okay, there's a big business, and it, it, it has good average customer value, good transactional value, mm. and see the lifetime value of a customer could be forty thousand pounds. Yeah, over four or five years. Is that right? Yeah. What from from that one? Well, if you've got your kid, if you know, full time childcare could be twelve hundred pound a month. Yeah. So what I did is I, I had this building, and then I carved out part of the building, added a day nursery on called Twizzle Tops Day Nurseries. Okay. So we built eight of them now, and and that business. So you've gone from one, and you've scaled up to eight on the day nursery front. We've got um, twelve locations in terms of um, attractions, yeah. and eight of them now have day nurseries on. 
So the plan is to roll out another four day nurseries. And what that meant, Dodge, was we had a business that a leisure business that would make between eighty and a hundred thousand profit per year as a, a location. And that's not really enough yeah. once you put the management in place and things could go wrong. You know, competition could open in the town, take twenty percent of your turnover. Or the manager's not good enough and yeah. he's not promoting well enough. All and, of yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you really when you're opening location based businesses, you've got to work out how can we get a quarter of a million to three hundred thousand of EBITDA. Yeah. Or um, contribution per so location. So just for listeners, EBITDA. Earnings before interest, tax and depreciation and amortization. But to simplify that. So the cash that the yep. business is generating, yep. that's the real yep. simplest way so you're of looking, saying So you're, you're wanting to go for 300 grand, that's your well, quarter minimum. of a million to quarter 300. Mil. Okay. Because that gives you fat in the game. Say if, you know, a new restaurant, if you was in the restaurant game, opened up in your town, you lost 30% of your customer. Yeah. Then you, you, you're you, to play with. You've got a bit of fat yeah, in the yeah. in the game, and so I worked out that it was nearly impossible unless it was owned and managed to get family entertainment centres to do that. Yeah. Um, because when they're owned and managed, like the owner managed restaurant in your town, they yeah. they they know all the ways of they're on it. saving the, yeah. the the wages, getting the quality up. They know their customers. But I wanted to scale a business and build something that worked without me in it. Yeah. And so bolting the day nursery on means that. That's a much more where the customers are less fickle because they're trading with you that much more regularly. Yeah. So you don't take your children out of the school they're in if another school yeah. opens up in the town. They're just there for that. You're life very life loyal. Yeah, okay. And with a leisure business, people are quite fickle because if a new restaurant opens up, a new nightclub, a yeah. new bar opens up, people want to go and check it yeah. out. Yeah. Regardless if you're better than them, yeah. they want to go and check it out. But people don't change their accountants, their solicitors, their lawyers, their, their doctors, yeah, yeah, yeah. their banks, unless something seriously yeah. goes wrong. Yeah. And that's what I love about the day nursery model. Okay. It has that. And you've real, got new kids coming through. New yeah, kids coming through. All the time. And they're staying yeah. for four years. Yeah. That's why I like the university model. Yeah. Third year's finished, first year's come through. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, where did so how many how many of these day nurseries have you got today? Eight, did you Eight. say? Yeah. And what did you do when building this day nursery? Were you looking at other businesses at the same time? Yeah. So everything. Whenever I start a new brand, what I make sure that we do as an organisation is get to know, and I've done this in everything that we've done, um, get to know the best in that industry and become friends with them. Yeah. So when I opened indoor play centres, I wrote letters and had. Um, and I went to events to meet all the owners. I love of, this, writing letters, old school. Yeah. Like it. And I said, can I, can I have a coffee with you? We were thinking about opening an indoor place. And so at the time, the, the leaders in that, Paul Sharp, Ian Westwood, no one will know these people, but they were the, you know, I became friends with them. They're very good, dear friends of mine. Yeah. When I wanted to open farm parks yeah. and build outdoor attractions, because the big problem with as well with my indoor business was when the sun came out, it died. Yeah, okay. And some years we do have that in the United yeah, Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because believe you me, when you own an indoor attraction, you know. Yeah. So 2009, I nearly lost it all. I was only two years into business. Business, the sun. So, what year? What year was that? You had your what year? So did you open to two thousand seven. Yeah, two thousand and nine. Yeah, the sun just didn't stop shining. Yeah, okay. No one was coming indoors. Right. Okay. I got that's when I started the day nursery model because I thought, well, that's regular income. Yeah. It's residual income. Yeah. Literally, you build a great day nursery. It's like owning a property. You yeah. build the property, you rent it out in the month, and the, okay. the, Monthly. the yeah, revenue, revenue comes, comes in. in. Okay. It's very predictable. Okay. But then I thought, right, I need outdoor attractions now. So this is the bit. Was this a big? Was this a big step for you for the outdoor attractions? Well, or was the, it just like the next thing to do for you? Well, no, I, I, 
because I, I, you know, I spent a lot of time with other business owners like you, Dodge, mm. and a friend of mine had said he was going in, he had two fantastic indoor play centres and he, he didn't have day nursery. He said, look, the logical step is to own outdoor attractions. Number of reasons, they're better. You've got capacity. Yeah. You can get 5,000 people yeah. in. Yeah. And in a play centre, you can only get 500 people in. And there's in. more revenue streams. More revenue streams. Yeah. You can charge the adults. You can't charge the adults indoors. So the yeah. average customer value is going up. Those three important levers. Yeah. Average customer value, average transaction value average lifetime value yeah, okay. um and then i thought well i could open a day nursery on a farm park that would be so so, so let's, let's reel back a bit this is really exciting stuff you bought a farm yeah in so, what year did you buy that farm and what's on that farm well if we wind back i'm 27 years old yeah and i want to open outdoor attractions mm. i haven't got the money to do this okay i've i've totted it up you need three four five million quid yeah. to go and open some basic and I mean basic form of outdoor attraction. Yeah. You need car park, you need yeah, you know, restaurant yeah. and all this stuff. And I bought lots of play centres for nothing yeah. and improved them. And I thought, well, there must be some outdoor attractions that I could mm. pick up for nothing and improve them. Mm. Because there's loads of people losing the three E's, energy, enthusiasm and effort for their business. Yeah. It's happening all the time yeah. via death, divorce, yeah. or I just can't stand doing this anymore. Yeah. Um, or I'm ill, you know, or I hate the staff, all the things. Or the business doesn't work. Yeah, or the I'm business. I'm holding on to it because yeah. this is my life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so I wrote to Essex County Council, which yeah. was our local authority, and I said, um, have you got any Vajazzles. parks or... <laughs> <laughs> have you got any parks or anything that I could build an outdoor attraction? I'd like to rent them off yeah. of you. Um, and I said, like Marsh Farm, and they own Marsh Farm. And I went and saw them. They said, come in for a coffee. And uh, I went and saw them. And uh, I said, look, we're really good at running outdoor attractions. We was doing outdoor kids events. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've got indoor play centers. And I was a kids entertainer. And I'd actually done some shows at Marsh Farm when I was younger, mm. like, in the summer holidays doing magic shows and stuff. So they knew me. Yeah. And uh, they said, oh, we haven't got a manager at Marsh Farm. And in that meeting, yeah. as quick as a flash, I yeah. said, I'll manage it for yeah. you. Because it was losing money. Yeah. I'll manage it for you and I'll manage it for you for free. Yeah. And if I do a good job, will you then let me buy it or rent it for Brilliant. you? They said, well, we can't just say that because we have to put it out for tender. Yeah. But I managed it for a year. Did you? Yeah. While juggling everything else? Whilst juggling everything else. Because I saw that was my inroad yeah, into getting an outdoor attraction because I didn't have the millions of quid. I was yeah. 27 years old. Yeah. So I'm in. I'm in. Um, I'm in there and I'm managing it and I'm understanding. I'm do I'm learning on the job. So this is a win-win, right? Win-win. And they actually paid me. Yeah. Um, and um, to do it because it was low. And what did you take it from? Loss making or did you? Yeah, you, don't make, you didn't want to make it make it too much money, right? No, they they were they wanted out. They wanted out. Okay. They wanted out. So when we took it over, it was turning nine hundred thousand. Yeah. How uh, many staff? Oh, roughly. 750,000 pound payroll because I Bloody remember hell. the payroll okay. so it was losing 350 yeah. grand a year but yeah. bags of potential yeah. bags of potential probably 50 staff something in okay. that for one part time yeah. um, so I took it over and then and James was with me at the time and we what we focused on Dodge is getting customers yeah. that is literally yeah. what we it's focused on yeah. you know we, <laughs> we we had the basis we didn't have really good catering so we did focus on that we didn't have good outdoor play but we knew that we could put events on. Yeah. So we put on pirate weeks and we put on, because we didn't have the money to invest in CapEx. Yeah. Like I wanted to build trains, which we've done. CapEx? Capital expenditure, which you know. Is. Like buying trains and carousels okay. and play areas and yeah. building restaurants, yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, and so we done it via events. Okay. And we put on Kids Fest, which was like Glastonbury for yeah. kids, um, which 
um, was busy and we didn't actually make that much money from that. Because so this is when you're still managing it? No, the second we... So we've managed it for 12 months. 12 months. And then you bought it. Did it go um, out to tender? Yeah. But they knew that you were number one for it? Well, no. No, there was... We were you really nervous had, about someone getting it, yeah, nicking was, it from under your feet? I was so worried. Yeah, I bet. But I thought if it was meant to be, it was meant to be. Yeah. And, um, and you know, we've we've turned it into now that the part What did you pay about, on it? Well, I paid nothing for it. Is that right? I just said, I'll take on your half a million pound pension straight. Which, which is their debt? Well, yeah, because they, they, you know, government contracts, yeah. so they, they were pumping in 350 grand a year to it. Losing, minimum. losing. Yeah, just to keep it wow. afloat. Um, so we said, look, we'll take it on on a, a long lease and then eventually we're buying the freehold and we're, that's where we're close to getting that over the wow. line now. And what year was this then? 2008? 2012 managed it, bought it 1st of April 2013. 2013 and you've had this all the way now. Do you own yeah. it now? No, I'm on the. I've, you're on. You're I'm about on, to do the deal. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, oh, we've put fingers crossed. Yeah, because I love the place. Yeah, you know, it's, you do. And, I've uh, seen it. I've seen your videos, mate, and you're passionate. Yeah, it's, it's a great. huge, huge passion. That's it soars through. It's amazing to see. Well, so, so just just tell me there then. What have you invested into Marsh Farm? And if millions. I was, now, really? Okay. Millions. So if I was bringing my boy to yours, yeah. what would I expect to see throughout the day now? Well, I want you to have a great four value fun day out. Yeah. And once you pay to get in, everything's How included. much roughly to come in? Well, it ranges anywhere between eight to 70 pounds at Christmas. Yeah, okay. Because we are yeah. one of the best Christmas events yeah. ever. Um, and then 20 pounds in the October half term. Yeah. Um, but once you get in, everything's included. So this yeah. October half term, we've got free a fourth. Bar? Free bar? No, not free bar. <laughs> Other than food and drink, um, and 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 the gift shop, but yeah, everything's included. So we are like this, you know, Halloween. We had a ghost train, and we had dodgems. They're all included. So people were brilliant. So we're really trying to. So you're giving a lot of value back. Yeah, right? that's really important. It's to key, us. isn't it? Same, and then same. to get people into membership. So we've built a brilliant membership system where people now pay I think six pound a month, and they can come unlimited. Yeah. Because what we worked out looking at these then three levers yeah. again. Yeah is most people only come once or twice a year. Yeah. So even like your favourite restaurant, yeah. everyone loves their favourite restaurant. Yeah. Like, I go there all the time. How often do you go there? Well, you actually break it down. It's probably four times a year. Yeah, five times it's a year. not even as much yeah, as that when not. you yeah. really yeah. break it down. And yeah. that's what – so then you get them into membership. They come more, and we've worked out they'll spend £3 extra on secondary spend when they're on site. Yeah. But we include babies in our – our account. Um, so give an example of membership, how much? Well, so, so what we tracked when we started membership with people spending- So you're constantly looking at your business model, how you can tweak it, how you can improve it, yeah, how you can increase the revenue streams. Yeah, because yeah. if you get like, for us, 200,000 people a year coming in, yeah, and if you can get that from, say, well- Tweaked another three quid or 15 five- 15 pounds, yeah. and you can get them to 17 pounds, yeah. that's an extra two pounds- from 200,000 people and yeah. lots of your standing costs are the same, yeah. it makes a dramatic difference to your bottom line. Yeah, yeah. So are you are you looking at big times of the year, your Christmases, your half-terms, your Easters? Are they big paydays for you? Well, so when, when we took over the farm, I can remember that. What's first. on the farm? So there's carousel, there's a train, there's a beach, um, there's animals, there's a theatre, wow. there's an indoor play barn, there's huge outdoor play areas. Who are you inspired by? Who inspired you to, to, to have this wonderful creative mind like this? To say, I, I want to create something really special. Maybe it was being a kid's entertainer. Yeah. I, mean, I was gigging a lot, mate, yeah. and I, was, I spent a lot of time with kids. Yeah. Um, I suppose I didn't really enjoy my childhood that much. Yeah. and. And so I think that may be part of it. 
but I've got a great team, Dodge. Like, yeah. so you've got so you've you've got six hundred full time staff across your across your businesses. If it's full time equivalent, equivalent, okay. So probably if you're three hundred and seventy full time full time equivalent on the payroll, yeah, bloody hell, big payroll. That's sometimes. an empire, mate. You're building. Yeah, it feels like it at times. When <laughs> we had this conversation the other day about lifestyle entrepreneur and empire entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm just definitely not. Yeah, you know my, you know I, th you know. It's, so you and Jay, who's with me today, I know that you guys prefer to rent everything. I prefer to own everything. Yeah. Like literally, I hate renting. It's just, well, we're yeah. all wired up differently. Yeah. What's that saying? Flies, floats, rent it. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> I don't know if we're talking about business <laughs> stuff there. Yeah. So, so, so you've been in, you've been into, that's your baby, isn't it? That you're making that work, tweaking it. How, how many people have you got around you who you really, really trust? Um, probably 12 in my it's what we call senior leadership team. Yeah. So you've got accountant, two financial controllers. Um, I spend most of my time on the marketing side of it. Yeah. I don't want to ever be involved in anything. If I'm spending too much in operations, yeah. you know, that's not right. No, so this new ice cream company that we've bought, you know, I'm spending all my time in getting customers yeah. and keeping customers. Was that was that your next move? Like you saw, like it seems to me that you're working up, you've got the kids looked after, you've got the nurseries, you've got the play centers, you're now owning a farm, you've got all this amazing stuff on the farm that allows adults and parents and the kids to go to. What was the next venture for you? Because most, you, you've been doing that for eight, nine years. Was there something else you had your eye on at the time? I've always got my eye on commercial property. Yeah. I love commercial property, mm. so I'm always looking for that. Mm. And I'm always looking for brands that fold into our business. So just break, just break down commercial property. So I like mm. to own the properties that we operate out of yep. wherever I can do that. Yep. I can't always do that because we're in places like Lakeside Shopping Centre um, and places that big pension funds own property. It yep. makes commercial sense for us to be in there. Because yep. um, of the footfall. Yeah, because of the footfall, yep. good locations, but we'll never be able to own them. Yeah. But where we can, I'll buy them. But my real love is what I call little commercial property. So we just bought an industrial estate in November. It's got um, 18 units on it with permission to build another 22. Um, really good yields on easy in, easy out. Example? Well, I, I look for a 20% return on investment as wherever I can, and I can only really do that through the style of commercial property that okay. I like doing, whereas most people are working on 5 and 8%. Oh, yes, right, yeah. So I like to get as close to 20% as possible. And Why? Because if interest rates go up, yeah. I'm protected. Fat in it. Fat yeah. in it, yeah. yeah. And you're making cash flow from it. Most people yeah. that go into property really, in my opinion, if you break it down, they're doing it for the capital appreciation over a period of time. Whilst that's a great thing to have, and yes, I enjoy that, mm -hmm. but I actually want cash flow from it because I'm a Brit and most people – that realise their money from properties when they're dead and their kids just go and yeah. sell it. So I had the, the mindset that I want to actually use it for two reasons. Number one, it gives me security to grow the trading business because yeah. I can say to the bank, look, I've got this over there, big chunk of equity in it. Can I borrow against that to do this, do that, buy that nursery, do this? Um, and secondly, to have cash flow income each mm. month. So my aim is to build a three million pound rent roll over my lifetime. Rent roll? Um, the rent that the properties generate, yeah, because three if, million pound a year rent you want coming in, yeah, okay. it's a time to do. So we're about half a million now, yeah. So it's a long time to yeah. do that. But then I, I feel very insured that whatever happens, if something happens to me, that the businesses, because I think anyone can look after a property portfolio, yeah. 
but not anyone but not can look, look after, after a business. This. Yeah, I agree. It's an entrepreneur that needs to run a business. Yeah. So should I die, I know my kids and my my other half have got the property mm. that, and I tell them all the time. They mm. say, don't, you should, don't say that mm. you're going to die. I'm going to wonder how I'm going to mm. die. But just don't sell the properties mm. because you, you, they'll always It's very interesting the route you're going down. Like your bank manager must be your best mate. Or have you got a number of bank managers you go so, to? So, but the main bank manager is Peter Quinn, mm. and um, he is um, uh, just a fantastic friend. I, he, he rang me on the way up here, and we get on well. And is he is he taking to the top floor of Coots for a big table with all your mates? Yeah, yeah, fantastic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, he's he's yeah. he's good, and he's he's looked after. I used to be with Barclays, but my bank manager retired. Yeah, and so then I. You know, he was good. Dave so for Orland. you, it's about relationship with the bank manager, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it doesn't matter the bank. It's yeah. all about the bank manager. Yeah. If you're doing what I'm doing, where yeah. you seriously want to go for it in yeah. life. You, you know? are going for it, aren't you? Yeah, because I think, Dodge, and I said this to someone yesterday, a good friend of mine rang me up when we bought the Rossi Ice Cream Company, which we bought last week. Um, a friend of mine that owns some really good independent restaurants in, in Essex, and it was a good friend that gave me my first gigs when I started. Mm. He said, bloody, do you think you're doing too much? And I turned around and said to him, I've only got 40 Christmases and yeah, 40 yeah. summers left. Yeah, that's so, how I talk it as well. And he just went, well, when you put it like that, I suppose yeah. it's a really good point. And I do feel like yeah. that, Dodge. Yeah. I do feel well, like that. Well, you think 3,000 3, odd days is 10 years. Yeah. You add that up over another 40 years. You, you yeah. break that down, you think, well, I might as well make the most of it every day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, rather than just living your life. I think it's fantastic what you're doing, by the way. And if I lose some of my businesses because of coronavirus, if I lose some of the indoor play centres, I've mm. lost one already. The landlord wanted the building back. He wouldn't renew the lease because he mm. saw leisure as too much of a risk. Mm. That was legal in general. Yeah. They just said, no, we're turning it back to industrial. I've now got over the emotional yeah. heartache of... And that's why I want to own my freeholds as yeah. well, so that can never happen to me no, they again. They can take it off you again. No, they? no. And um, is so. there a risk? Is there a risk in scaling up and juggling so much that you're juggling for your mind? There is a problem with my mind, mm. Dodge. So last night, my little boy came into. Uh, he woke up, whatever, and came in half two in the morning. Came into bed, yeah. you know, scared, nightmare, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't sleep for an hour because yeah. the second my mind's, I was. Literally thinking about flavour of ice creams, <laughs> you know, like how we've got to get that customer. And I, you know, I, I won't touch my phone yeah. because I know then yeah, I'm into yeah, it yeah, for yeah, two yeah. hours. Yeah. Um, and you know, but that's an hour because I keep looking at my Fitbit, yeah. thinking, flipping, oh come on, yeah. just go to sleep. But my mind is, and I just that's a problem. Mm. Um, how do you solve that problem? I, I, I don't think I can. I love what I do. I know you love what you do. I li I love what I do. It's you know I love ice cream. I love a physical attraction. <laughs> you know I, I want that. I want I want you to... want more, don't you? But you enjoy the buzz. Do you enjoy the buzz of cutting yeah. the deal, or do you enjoy the buzz of finding the deal, or do you enjoy the buzz of turning a business around? All of it. All of it. Same. All three of them. Yeah. I was thinking right. Which one? Do, as you were saying that, which yeah. one do I love the most? I love yeah. them all. Yeah. I love them all. I, I tell you what, I really is that working with a team that I love working with yeah. as well. I mean, I can't emphasize that enough, like, because you feed off each other. Because yeah. I'm constantly aware that this is my company. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel like it's my company. I feel like it's our company. Yeah, and so. if I ever sold some of it, then they would all be looked hugely after. looked after yeah, because so. they've helped build it. So. Um, even if they don't, you know, the, the people that I really love and respect. But uh, it's just... <laughs> I just, I think I spend most of my time with these people. And if I build the company, that's more opportunity for them. Are you building a company? A lot of people I know, mates of mine, build a company because they want to sell it. I don't want to sell. 
Oh, I enjoy building and building and building and tweaking and protecting. and da, da, da. But I've never thought about going to buy another company. I've never thought about going to buy another business because they're failing. It hasn't even crossed my mind. I just created my own businesses. Well, I've done that. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, I started yeah. them. But once you realize you can say, well, that business has got something. Yeah. Like the Rossi Ice Cream Company. Yeah. But that links in nicely with your... With your farm, right? You've just yeah, bought a nice... Go, oh, yeah, Dodge, I won't go and buy something that's that doesn't link. outside yeah, okay. of our existing okay. empire because I want to use leverage. I wanna, don't want to just leverage financial, yeah. which is what most people think of when they think of leverage. Yeah. I want to leverage my management team, my database, my knowledge, yeah. um, um, things that we've learned in other companies where we can share. You know, that That's where leverage really works a thousand miles an hour. For yeah. example, you know, my business buys a quarter of a million pounds worth of ice cream from Walls every single year yeah i've just bought the rossi ice cream company and that quarter of a million pounds worth of turnover is going to go to rossi once we start making our own lollies yeah. and impulse range that's leverage yeah. to me working yeah. at much more than going oh i've got some equity in a property i'll yeah. leverage that and buy another property yeah. that's what most people think yeah. about leverage. But i find i find that more exciting yeah, I find that more exciting. That that's a bolt onto your business. Yeah. It's a proper business you're buying. Obviously, they're tired of it. They've been going ninety odd years from Essex. You're going, hold on a minute. I can flip that into my business. Get rid of walls. That comes in. I can improve the business, tweak it, yeah. make the ice creams better, make the experience better, and create yeah. a better brand. Yes. So that's the exciting bit. I get yeah. that totally. Yeah. Totally get that. So tell me about that story. How you identified that opportunity. So. What's the ice cream massive, right, in Essex, or is it countrywide? It's massive or? in Essex, Suffolk, Kent, and London. Okay. Um, and Hertfordshire. And that must be covering at least 10 million people. Right? Yeah, it's like okay. really, really well known, yeah. um, especially in East London as yeah. well. Like it's, you know, Rossi, East London, massive. Yeah. Um, how did this opportunity come apart? Well, when we bought Marsh Farm, yeah. we wanted to make, we, we used to do milking cow demonstrations. It's really boring. Unless the cow does a wee or a poo, which yeah. the kids find fantastic. Yeah. But it's really boring. Yeah. And the kids don't care. So yeah. I, th I said, well, we should contact Rossi Ice Cream and see yeah. if they can make our own ice cream. And they just mucked it up and it was it was just too hard to do. Yeah. Anyway, so we went back to walls. Mm. Fast forward to the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. We opened a farm shop. Uh, we had a big barn at the front. We closed yeah. the, the main attraction. We couldn't open the attraction because the government said. Yeah. And I said, well, we've got to stock Rossi ice cream yeah. because they, they make we make all the 500 mil one litre tubs that yeah. you would buy in Morrison's and yeah. stuff like that. And so we couldn't buy the ice cream from them. They closed the factory down. Wow, okay. And then we had to wait ages for the delivery. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, this is a this is village, yeah. Th this is yeah, yeah, yeah. something going on yeah. here. So I rang them up and I said, why don't you just let me buy the ice cream company off yeah. you? Sort of half joking, but half being serious. Yeah. And Colin said to me, that's not such a bad idea. And that is literally, and it took about nine months to get it over the over the line, mm. to structure it in the way that I wanted to structure it. Because um, Did you structure it in a clever way? Was it a deal? How did you negotiate a deal when you go to someone and say, was the most I want to buy, can someone come to me and say, I want to buy your company? Straight away, you think, well, if you make me the right offer, you can have it. Yeah. Was he thinking that same mindset? They wanted um, way more than I wanted to pay for it. And they wanted it up front? Uh, I straight away said to them, you're never going to get okay. that because it's, it's, loss, it's loss making. Yeah, um, It used to make lots and lots and lots of money. How much was it losing 
Oh, not Roughly. massive amounts, 30, 40, 50 grand oh, okay. a year. Okay. But, you know, every- but they weren't growing and there was no. a smaller team. And- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and um, I wanted to do countercone, or as I like to call it, teat to tongue. <laughs> For that one, <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to create tons like, of tea. I wanted a premium ice cream using locally sourced flavors, and then I had an idea where we could create Rossi Land eventually and have an ice cream farm yeah. and show everyone, you know, okay. all of that stuff. And they just they they agreed with it all. But when people lose their zest for their business, mm. how old were they roughly? They're sixty five, sixty eight. That's English. Of, yeah, English, yeah. Okay. Owned the business 15 years. Okay. So we're Did the, they buy it off the Rossi family? Yeah. Ah. So I'm the third the third owner. Okay. And what basically the, the original family, very entrepreneurial. 1932, trundled up to the United Kingdom from Italy. Yeah. They went south. Just the one. <laughs> <laughs> they lived in Glasgow. Glasgow. Yeah. They went to South End on Sea on their holiday, wanted okay. to buy an ice cream. You couldn't buy an ice cream. That second, he decided to move to South End on Sea. And they were called milk bars back in the day. Yeah. It was called Rossi's Milk Bars. Um, and it scoured very, very quickly. Okay. They owned all their own shops. And the third, generation of the Rossi family owned it he had no children and uh, you know, built a very profitable business mm. all the supermarkets saying please can we stock Rossi mm. can we stock Rossi and he just told them to go away yeah. um, and then over time he sold off a shop here a shop there a shop there he died left all his money to the Catholic Church the Catholic but, Church, not his family. Well, he didn't have no kids. Did he not? No. And so um, um, Mike and Colin then bought the factory, the brand and the the um, the recipes off of him and carried on supplying all the shops. And what I want to do over time is buy all those shops back when people want to sell them and open our own new parlours so that we are direct-to-consumer, but then also supplying farm shops and independents. Okay. We do supply Asda, Morrison's Co-op. So, so straight away, you're, you've, bought that, you've bought that company with it. Knowing that you spend quarter of a bar, quarter of a mil with walls, that you're going to drop straight Rossi straight in. Yeah, yeah. that's going to save your fortune straight away. Well, yeah, but I've got to invest about half a million over the next couple okay. of years. Leverage in... is that leverage of the bank, or are you going to? I haven't worked that out yet. Yeah. <laughs> we'll um, get to that bit. I mean, we we're buying a hundred and sixty grand's worth of new equipment this year. We'll probably quarter of a million with vans and stuff. And are you are you are you keeping their factory? Or are you moving your factory to your farm? Are you? Gonna no, we're going to keep their factory as an attraction or something. We're going to keep their factory, but create a mini factory on the farm because it's when you see it when it's you know food production, it's just not. It's just not yeah. sexy enough for people to see that beer yeah. made. It's just not interesting. So what will you do on your farm to attract the kids then? We will do like mini pasteurisation. Okay, so they get to see. But we, you know, like in a, and it would be a theatre of how ice cream. Okay. Like, we'll actually make ice cream, yeah. but you couldn't do that. Like when you're doing stuff for Asda or Morrison's, it's like big scale and yeah. it just, it won't work. So when this, when this come about, what month are we talking here when you said to Mr. Rossi that I want to buy your company? June, July. The, of 2019. 2019, and the deal was going through. But did the well, deal they, go through before Boris said there's a pandemic coming? It was during the pandemic. Okay. Yes, June, July 2019. Because I had looked at this and I thought, well, look, what's the one thing everyone's doing right now? They're eating and they're eating ice cream, and supermarkets mm. are zooming to success. Mm. And, you know, this is a business that li- literally it's the most social media on my personal on my Instagram, on my James Sinclair stuff, when I said that we bought the Rossi Ice Cream Company. It's got that much heritage to okay. it. Okay. Um, and I wanted that a piece of that brand and I okay. wanted to use that brand in our venue. So all of our restaurants in our venues are going to be called Rossi okay. Restaurants now, okay. Rossi Coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, that's 
And I feel privileged to own it. Yeah, mate. Dodge. That's quality, man. I don't Insane. really feel like I own it. I feel yeah. like I'm looking after it for yeah. the next generation. But you will do once you rebrand it. No, I never will. Really? I feel okay. we're looking after this okay. for who's next. Because you know, like Patek Philippe say that, don't they? Yeah. You, know, you never really own a Patek Philippe. Yeah. You're looking after it for the next generation. Yeah. And I feel that with Rossi. That's lovely, mate. It's lovely to hear. And the deal you structured with them was it a good? Was it a different? Yeah, so I deal? put money up front and then agreed to pay them over a period of four years. Okay, so they got a lump, which they're yeah. happy with, and then they get paid monthly. Because it's impossible to fund through the yeah. bank because it's loss making. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is it. This is have you know being a good person. Yeah. Dave Oram, who was my old bank manager at Barclays yeah. Corporate that retired, he sits on their board doing some non-exec work for them. Okay. And I think he was instrumental yeah. in this process. He said, yeah. look, Joan Sinclair, I, he was, and he, when we bought the business, we had a little speech, you know, up in the boardroom of Rossi and he was there and he said, I just want to say a few words, Mike, who gave it over to us. Um, and then Dave said, you know, that I don't know anyone that will take Rossi to the next level other than you, James. Yeah, that's quality. And he, I think, gave them the, the trust and I think my personal brand, they watched all my videos yeah. and knew that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, actually, I, I will turn this around. Well, what else did you buy in, in, in a pandemic? A zoo. <laughs> um, Come on, tell me about this. we bought Lee Valley Zoo. It's got a zoo license, got meerkats and zoobies. I haven't got lions and tigers, <laughs> but it is got a zoo license. Um, what uh, made you want to buy a zoo in the middle of a pandemic? Because again, I see. That was it the addiction of trying buying another business, or was it like, no, I can see how I can turn this business around? Or thirty-five minutes away from us, yeah, it's on the M25. It's in a better location than Marsh Farm, but hasn't got the infrastructure of Marsh Farm. Okay, um, we got a hundred-year lease on it. Are they, would they be competitors? Being so close? No, really? I don't think so. Okay. Um, they're far away enough that they benefit from each other. Yeah. So we will, because people only again, other than your members. Yeah. You know, people don't, they're not going to come to Marsh Farm every week, so they go to Lee Valley and Marsh Farm, yeah. And and they they will get more customers from London and Hertfordshire, and they will pour a bit from Essex. And I guess, like a golf club, if you own five or six, you can you can say, Well, everyone who's a member of this one, you can get a discount of this one, yeah. We will try and do cross. stuff like that, yeah, yeah, eventually, yeah. Okay, but, but you know, Lee Valley is going to be great. And what we've done there is we've got 300 cows there, um, so all of that milk. Is going to make, go in to make Rossi ice cream. Brilliant. So it'd be a counter cone thing. And then what we've agreed is that all the parks around Lee Valley, so Lee Valley own loads of parks. We've just bought the Animal Adventure Park Park. Who did you buy it off? So it's Lee Valley Authority. Okay. So And was that on the cards for a while? Or so they put it out for tender. Yeah. And we applied to do the tender, but I think because we've turned other attractions around. Um, it's only good for the area, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I mean, I've. I really believe in that, so I've personally guaranteed it as well. Have you done a PG on it? Yeah, as well? yeah, I have because uh, I, you know, I would never want to knock anyone, and they, they saw my property portfolio. This is where I mean, you know, when people can see you've got this stuff, yeah. sometimes these things become easier. Yeah, when you've got assets behind yeah. you, because I think and the, the Rossi, they love the Rossi yeah. story. God, you're juggling a lot, aren't you? You are juggling a lot. If you're on your own, you're juggling a lot. Yeah, you've got a great team around you, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I spend a lot of time at Rossi. I can see that. But like yeah. the Lee Valley thing, I've done the deal. My team are now in there running it. Bang. Okay. They don't need me. And did you take on staff from the, the zoo? Yeah, only, there was only seven left though. Okay. And then let's, let's move on to your personal brand. Yeah. Jamesinclair.net. I see you on YouTube. You've done 600 videos. Tell me why you decided to do a personal brand and what year you started. Number of reasons. Yeah. I love public speaking. Yeah, you do. Uh, yeah. I absolutely love yeah. it. 
you know, some people have got a fear of being on stage, have got a fear of not being on stage, <laughs> Dodge, you know. And I, I, you know, from magician entertainer into this, you know, and I love doing that stuff. So I thought, well, how can I get more public speaking gigs? You know, you've got to be Google famous, yeah. famous to a few. Secondly, you know, we've got a big business over a big geographical patch, lots of staff. They can watch my YouTube videos and have really good culture to know what's going on in the business and what I'm up to. And thirdly, I knew that it would sell more books. I wrote some books uh, and it would get more people into my entrepreneur's university. Mm. I've created this online training platform. Uh, I used to do live events. Um, I'm never going to do them again now mm. just because I'm that much busier. Mm. It opens the doors for my mm. business. So when people are like, well, who is this James Sinclair? Yeah. It doesn't take them long to find out yeah. on Google who I am. So for anyone out there who hasn't got a personal brand, what advice would you give them about creating a personal brand? Number one, really want to be able to do it because it's okay. a lot of work. If you're camera shy, don't like doing this sort of stuff, yeah. it might be better, and I've advised people on this, to bring someone else in to be the personal brand of the business. So I, you know, you move, who I've spoken at their conference, they use Carol Smiley to be the front of the yeah. business, to be the personal brand of the business. Yeah. And that, that's getting them the same effect. They paid her, I think, 20, 30 grand a year, mm. and she'd done all that, made yeah. their videos, posted, blah, blah, blah. Um, and she loved being on camera, loved being front and f forward of, the, of that particular brand. And that's what I would advise someone to do. Mm. So if you're not really wanting to do it, yeah. you will give up because it takes time. Yeah. It takes absolutely a lot of time. It's much harder now than ever because YouTube, Facebook, Instagram are all busier places yeah. with everyone trying to have a go at it. And what I would also tell someone is remember that when Amazon started in 1994, they only sold books. Mm. They niched and then broadened up. Yeah. And I think if I had my time again with building my personal brand, I would have chosen a niche in business mm. and then broadened up over a period of time. Yeah, become an expert in that. And Maybe in up, yeah. Facebook ads, for example. Yeah. I'm the, the expert of Facebook ads yeah. or I'm the expert at buying businesses with no money or I'm the expert at commercial property mm. and then broaden up. I've been quite broad on my channel, mm. so I think it's been quite hard for YouTube to hang their hat on what I do. Right. But your content's fantastic, right? Yeah, but that doesn't help. See, this is all about algorithms. Yeah. So when people discover us, they keep coming back and watching more and more yeah. and more. But if you look at people that have done really well on YouTube, yeah. maybe they give just pension advice rather right. than financial advice. Right. Okay. Because if you're financial advice, you're probably going to Martin Lewis, for example. So if I was starting an ice cream company mm. today, I would probably niche down into just vegan ice cream. Right, okay. Yeah, that niche down that much. Yeah, that much, wow. but then broaden up as you take that. So like when you look at Amazon, just books in 1994, it's taken them a couple of decades yeah. to take on Walmart. Mm. But if they tried to take on Walmart in 1994, they would have been eaten alive. Yeah. And what, what else What else have you done? You've got the Entrepreneurs University. So what I've done is I used to do seminars. Yeah. And people were paid to come along to the seminars. Yeah. I had a bit more time, actually, yeah, yeah. two, three years ago. And I loved doing that. Yeah. And I created something called the Entrepreneurs Network, which I've done in partnership with someone called Mark Reese, who's still a really dear friend of mine. And then I gave him my shares in Entrepreneurs Network. And then I just started the James Sinclair brand, doing some seminars on property and stuff like that. And I haven't got time to do that yeah. anymore. So I just created the Entrepreneurs University it's 50 quid a month, and I've got loads of video modules in there on mm. property, buying businesses, um, how to increase the profitability in your business, how to recruit people, keep people. So anyone in business, you think, if they're following you on YouTube or they go into your uh, university, they're going to learn a load? Well, the thing is with YouTube, they'll learn a load of stuff on YouTube for free. Yeah. But YouTube is uh, the wow. Yeah. 
and the university is, well, how do I actually do yeah, that? Yeah. So we've got Wow on YouTube, yeah. how to do it on the Entrepreneurs University. And that's the real difference. And um, I like doing that. And yeah. that means uh, what's really interesting, Dutch, the amount of foreign members we've got. Is that right? So the only people that came to my seminars when I was running them, I used to run them at the farm. They were people like from two hours drive yeah, time. Yeah. Then we got people signing up in Australia, yeah, Switzerland, yeah. Germany. You know, and that's the power of that sort of thing. And it's so affordable mm. uh, for people to do. What lessons have you learned from YouTube? How many years you've been banging out videos in YouTube and what have you learned? Four years. So what have I learned from- What have you, you learned to teach someone now what you would do knowing what you know now if you were starting now? Well, first of all, I don't think I've cracked it yet, mm. but I think I've cracked it more than ever. Yeah. Um, we were making vloggy style content in the beginning, a day in the life of James Sinclair, which bull, is- Bull leg or good? Well, we enjoyed making them. Yeah. I much prefer making those videos yeah. and people that were watching them, 200 people at a time, loved yeah. them. But yeah. it's a lot of work because okay. you've got Chuds, my cameraman, following me around editing a day in the life. That's not good for YouTube if people don't know who you are. Yeah. So what we've learned from YouTube is you've got to make searchable content now. And we've also learned that the thumbnails and the titles are so important. So one of our, I used to always wear red trousers. So one of our episodes on YouTube is called <laughs> Red Trousers or something like that. Yeah. I look back and I think, how stupid were we? Because yeah. no one's typing into YouTube red trousers yeah. Yeah. unless it's a, about fashion or something. Yeah. That's not going to help us getting found. So now, you know, if you look at our content, it's called How to Buy Businesses for Zero or one of the ones that we've done, Confronting Mark Tilbury, How He Made His Millions. Yeah, okay. So you're answering the it's questions. It's always the how. You're trying to solve a problem so, the whole yeah, time. Or, or telling people what they're going to get. So that Red Trousers episode could actually have huge value in it. But if you've got, you know, the YouTube homepage and there's 50 videos that you've got to choose from, which thumbnail, which title is going to make you click? Yeah. Like when you're on Sky TV, you know, or you think, oh, what film should we watch? Yeah. The the picture and the description, unless you know that it's a James Bond film, yeah. makes you decide what you're going to watch. You're going to press select on Yeah, that. and so yeah. we've learned that and, that. and we've we track out how much people are clicking through. Mm. So where we would get 3 or 4% before, we can now get up to 11% click-through right, okay. just on the power of those titles okay. and thumbnails. Because you can make the best video in the world, but if no one clicks it, yeah. you've wasted all your know. time. And have you, ever, have you ever invested money in advertising for YouTube? No, um, which is a bone of contention yeah. uh, between James, who does our marketing, and Chuds, uh, whether we should do that. Um, what do you think? I sit on the fence with it. Chad doesn't think that we should. We should just be making the best possible content and make sure it's you know SEO friendly, yeah. good titles, good headlines. Um, because I've never clicked through on an advert to go and watch someone's video. Yeah. But but that five seconder is an advert in itself before you click through, right? Yeah. Let me reiterate that we have tried it actually. And it did get click throughs, but the watch time was never as good from, mm. and it, sort of skewed it so we haven't tested it that we haven't put 10 grand into it yeah. but we've put like a thousand pounds testing it's probably not enough money yeah. to really understand the youtube algorithm yeah. just before we finish up here just tell me all your businesses so party man world yeah which is our chain of indoor play centers and how many have you got of them um we've lost one so we've got 10 of those yeah um it's a fabulous business mm. that we love. That's where we really started. Mm. Um, teddy Tastic, we make teddy bears. Mm. We made over a million teddy bears. We sell on Amazon and we sell them to visitor attractions. Um, and they're slightly more niche because the children make them. Yeah. Um, 
and so that's that's a business that we're keen to grow mm. and sell more toy products mm. as time trundles on, especially where we can sell them into our own businesses. Yeah. Marsh Farm, Lee Valley Animal Adventure. Marsh Park. Farm is where you all your all your offices are. Yeah, and yeah. that's a the the biggest the attraction that yeah. we've got. Uh, Twizzle Top Day Nurseries, Laser Combat. How many of the Twizzle Top Day Nurseries? Eight. Eight. Uh, laser Combat, which is our laser arenas. We've only got two of them now. Um, uh, Rossi Ice Cream and our commercial property uh, business. Mate, I think a, that's all. That's a proper Have empire. I missed any out there, Chance? I think so. Are you? Oh, and then Entrepreneurs yeah. University, yeah. yeah, which. And also juggling YouTube and social media and everything else. Well, the James Sinclair stuff, all that is the Entrepreneurs there, University. Yeah. But yeah. your personal brand is, is probably worth wonders for you being able to buy all these different units and have Yeah, because when people. And, when people come and see you, I think where building a personal brand is yeah. really good when you employ people. Yeah. The interview process can be much better because they've checked you out online. Yeah. They know whether they can deselect working for you. Yeah. You know, they've seen James Sinclair or a hundred videos of Dodge and think flipping oh, I don't work for this bloke. Yeah. He looks so fantastic yeah. and I'll just feel jealous all day. <laughs> James, just before we finish off, mate, what do you love most about being an entrepreneur? Just making stuff happen, probably. Yeah. Same. It's not about because I know Dodge. If I just wanted to make money, I yeah. could sell all my businesses, and I'm a, loads I've, of commercial property, and it'd be boring. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I agree, mate. I literally, I could literally, if I wanted to, sell it all tomorrow. Yeah, have millions of pounds in the bank. Doing what? I'd be bored. Yeah, yeah same, same. It's been an absolute pleasure, Jimbo, having you on here, mate. Thanks and, very um, much, Dodge. we I'll come to your farm and we'll do the second yeah, part. Bring your kids over, and then we'll do the confronting Dodge. <laughs> And I'll ask, because I'm quite, when I'm doing these stuff now, I'm quite aggressive in my questions because yeah. that's what we've also learned. Yeah. Like when I'm asking my things, like we had Mark Tilbury on, who's just done fantastically yeah. well yeah. on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, are you a millionaire? <laughs> I know that's what grabs people yeah. in on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, on, yeah. Um, yeah. And he's like a bit, you yeah. know, oh, I can't But you know what's weird? That's another conversation that's weird. I have my yeah. house. Are you a millionaire? One you would never want to say you are. No, I know. Because I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. But actually, what is a millionaire? Yeah, yeah. I suppose technically it's someone that's um, worth a million pounds plus. But what does that mean, worth a million pounds? Is that a mill in your bank? Or is that you having two houses that are worth a million I mean, together? I mean, or? To, to be fair, I would hate to have a million pounds in my bank. Mm. I would think that is awful. Yeah. I want it put to work. Used. Absolutely as fast because yeah. it's a depreciating asset. If yeah. you've got a million pounds in the bank, mm. it ain't going to be worth a million pounds in three, four mm. years, and it probably won't even in 18 months. Mm. So, you know, it has to be put to work to grow as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, that That's just my opinion. Yeah. I know a lot of people think, fuck, but now one of the other things as well, my, my missus is playing the lottery. I hate it. I hate the lottery as well. I, I said, what are you doing that yeah. for? She went, well, I can have millions of pounds. Yeah. And I said, well, first of all, we're we're in a situation where you don't have to do yeah, that. Yeah. And I said, you would feel absolutely worthless if you won the money because mm. everything you'd get, you hadn't worked for. Yeah, she yeah. went, well, we just think completely different. I just disagree <laughs> with everything you've said. I said, well, I would hate that. Yeah, same, so. same. Jimbo, let's leave it there, mate. Cheers, Slowly mate. enjoyed it, mate. Thank you. Good man. Cheers. Good man. Thanks for listening to The Eventful Entrepreneur. Join the conversation today. Review and subscribe for free on iTunes now.